Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. take up your Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. You'll find it on page 975. There are Bibles on the windowsills in the seats in front of you. And we come to our reading this morning. Excuse me if I drink more than normal this morning. I'm hoping my voice holds out this morning as we come to God's Word together. Galatians, chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 13 through to verse 10 of chapter 6. While you're finding that, I want to commend two books to you today. We're selling both of these books. They're available in the book room. You may not have noticed that room as you came in and up the front steps. On your left is a books and resources room. And to go with this sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, I've called this sermon series, You Can Change. And you'll find this wonderful book by Tim Chester is available in the book room there. Six pounds for this book. You Can Change, God's Transforming Power for Our Sinful Behavior and negative emotions. And you might find that just a compliment to what we're going to be doing as we look at the fruit of the Spirit. And then this beautiful book called The Character of Christ. This is really our book of the term. Uh, This is a book called The The Character of Christ, The Fruit of the Spirit in the Life of Our Savior. And what we're going to see together over these next Sunday mornings, I hope and pray, is that all the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to want to ask God to, to grow in our lives, we see those things supremely in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, the, 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 this really lovely book by Jonathan Landry Cruz takes all the fruit of the Spirit and shows us how we see those most supremely in the Lord Jesus himself. And so this book is only £4 available at the back. You can get both of these books for £10. And uh, you're now able just to tap a card and pay. Uh, so no excuses for not picking up uh, good, books, uh, good books to read over the next couple of months. Well, let's come to God's Word together. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another. Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, our prayer is for illumination, for you to light the very word that you have spoken and to shine that light into all our hearts. May in these moments, may we meet you, Lord Jesus, grow the fruit of your perfect life in all our lives, for we long to be like you, even as we love you and serve you. Hear us, we pray, in your precious name, amen. Well, I wonder this morning, if you could change one thing, one thing about yourself, what would it be? If you could just pick one thing about yourself to change, what would you change? It's a hard question, isn't it? I guess some of us are thinking, well, only one thing? I've got a list of things to change as long as my arm. Some of you are thinking, change? How do you improve on perfection? But most of us aren't thinking that, are we, right? Most of us aren't thinking that. We've lived long enough to know that the gap, and there is a gap, isn't there? The gap between who we are and who we could be, who we'd like to be, we know that that gap is very large indeed, isn't it? It's very big. We, we are here, down here somewhere, and who we'd like to be, who we long to be, is up here somewhere. And so, friends, as a new term begins this Sunday... I wanted to try and encourage us, to encourage you this morning. You can change. You can change. 
There, there is one main answer, I think, from our passage, from what we've read together, that every believer should be giving to that question about what would you most like to change. There is one answer here. There is something we should always want to change. And it's this. I want to change my relationship to the desires of my flesh. I want to change my relationship to the desires of my flesh. What I'd love to change is that my fallen human personality, the, the, the me that was born in sin, that the inner person that is so completely devoted to me, I would love to change that so that instead I live so completely devoted to the Lord Jesus. You see chapter 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Jesus, the flesh is killed, dead. And so we say this morning, don't we? Jesus has killed it when He died on the cross. So why does my flesh keep rearing its head? Brothers and sisters, you can change. You can change. Now, now, now some of us, some people, I think, are nervous of speaking like that. Because the church, parts of the church historically, have put all the emphasis on the word you. You can change. You're the one that can do it. You can do it. Come on, the church has said, try harder. Read your Bible more. Pray more. Do more good things. No, that, that is not what Paul is saying. The emphasis here is not on the you, but on the can and on the change. Look at chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Change is possible. There is a way of living that says no to the flesh, that leaves those things behind. There is a way of having more and more and more of the Lord Jesus in your life. And more of Jesus in your life will change you. So like I said, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit over coming Sundays, verse 22 onwards. This morning is really a bit of an overview. Where, where are the fruit of the Spirit located in Paul's letter to the Galatians. We're going to try and take in the big picture around the fruit. And here's what Galatians 5 and 6 says to us this morning. I want to give us three things. Number one, choose your fruit. Number two, sow your seed. And number three, reap your harvest. Choose your fruit, sow your seed, reap your harvest. Number one, friends, choose your fruit. I think this is the question this passage asks us together this morning. What kind of fruit do I want hanging from the branches of my life? What kind of fruit do I want to see in the garden of my home? In the garden of my marriage, my relationship with my children, in the garden of whoever it is I relate to most closely? Some of us have small children. Some of us have grown-up children. Some of us are relating to elderly parents, caring for a sibling. 
in the garden of my workplace, what kind of attitudes, what kind of actions, habits, character traits, character traits, that's what fruit is in our lives. That's what fruit looks like. It is character traits. What kind of actions, habits, character traits, what kind of abundance do I want attached to me? Growing in me, coming from me, and coming out of me to others around me. For there are two options here, aren't there, in the passage. Paul is trying to get these Galatian Christians to change. He can spot a problem, can't he? Look back at verse 14. I think Paul can spot in the Galatian church a lack of love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another... Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul is dealing with Galatian Christians who have a choice to make today, don't they? Do they want the old way of the law and the flesh to be what defines them? Or do they want the new way of Christ and the Spirit to be what marks them? Choose which path you want to walk, Paul is saying. This passage is all about walking, isn't it? Verse 16, it's all about being led in a certain direction. We can walk by the flesh and be led by the flesh and follow that direction and it has certain consequences. Or we can walk being led by God's Spirit. And, uh, uh, and there's a clash, isn't there, in this text? A clash between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit. They, they are at loggerheads with each other. They do not want the same thing. That word flesh in verse 16, that, that word flesh is another word for our old sinful nature. Your old nature. It's the terrible you in you. It's the you in you that wants nothing to do with Christ and His kingdom. And that you in you, that flesh, has a certain kind of poison attached to it. Actually, verse 19, if you look at it, it calls the poison the works of the flesh. It's interesting, isn't it? It's the fruit of the Spirit, but contrasted not with fruit, but with works. The works of the flesh. This is what the flesh does, Paul says. Give it an inch, and here's what it glories in. Verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. These things are what our sinful nature desires. Left to ourselves and our own devices, we would choose those things every single time. But did you know that the Spirit has desires too. Amazing, isn't it? The, the, the Spirit, God's Spirit, has passions and yearnings and longings for something. Verse 17 is a, is a lovely phrase, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. Have you ever thought about that? What does God's Holy Spirit desire? What does the Spirit long for? Well, what does He love? It's a very simple answer. He longs to make you and me like the Lord Jesus. That, that is the desire of the Spirit. I want you just to flick back to chapter 4, verse 19. 
Flick back to chapter 4, verse 19. Look, look what Paul says. I'll read from verse 18. It is always good to be, to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children. This is, this is warm. It is relational. It's, it's longing. It's full of love. My little children. He, he's gathering them around them like a father saying to him, here is what I most want for you. My little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Wow, isn't that beautiful? I, I, I long for you so much to see Christ sculpted in your life, shaped in your life, coming to birth in your life so that you're formed to be like Him. And that is what the Spirit does. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, the Spirit will come to glorify me. So while the flesh yearns for more and more and more of me and what I want, do you see what the Spirit is longing for? More and more and more of Christ and what He wants. You see, all the way through the letter to the Galatians, Paul is dealing with false teachers who are trying to sever these believers' connection to Christ. They're trying to cut it off. Jesus is not enough, they're saying. You need something extra. The whole time Paul is saying, no, the Spirit's work is to lead people to the Lord Jesus and to keep them there, to keep them fixed on Him, united to Him, walking with Him. That's why we have this fruit listed in verse 22. If you have this fruit in your life, friends, who would you look like? Who would you look like? You would look like the Lord Jesus, wouldn't you? Listen to Jonathan Landry Cruz. He says this, Since the fruit of the Spirit is not a to-do list, this is not his book, this is not a how-to book. Since the fruit of the Spirit is not a to-do list, this is not a how-to book. This is a he-did book. This is a he-is book. This is a book about the sheer, unmatched, beautiful character of Christ. This is a book about the person and work of our Savior because that is what the fruit of the Spirit is really all about. See, we live with this all the time, don't we? Apple says to you, there is a better you in you. The Gospel says no. Better than that, there's not a better you in you. There is a new you in Jesus. And the role of the Holy Spirit is to lead you to Jesus and to keep you with Jesus and the longer you spend with the Lord Jesus to make you like Him. I want to say to you, friends, when people say to you, be the best version of yourself, I hope in your head you're saying, no. Stop trying to be the best version of yourself. It's wrong. The best version of you is not you. The best version of you and me is Christ. So let Him give you His life, His character. I want to ask you this morning, if you've ever done that, if you've ever chosen your fruit, if you've ever chosen who you want to be like, the Gospel says that God has given us His Spirit to shine His light on Jesus and to give us His way to walk. Choose to be like Him. Hannah was doing it with our eldest Sunday school 
children this morning, what is your only comfort in life and death that I am not my own but belong body and soul to Jesus Christ? Paul is laying out for the Galatians here there are only ever two ways to live. There are only ever two options ahead of you today. The flesh or the Spirit. You or Christ. Me and more of me or Jesus and more of Him. Number one, choose your fruit. Number two, sow your seed. How, how do you get that fruit? How do you get that fruit? We're going to see this over the, the coming weeks. Christ's life mapped onto ours, given to us. But look at the way Paul does it here in this passage. I, I hope like me you're saying, yes, Lord, I want verse 22. How beautiful. I want that to be true of me this morning in every corner of my life, hanging from every branch, hanging from my home branch. Hanging from my work branch, my family branch, my sexuality branch, my money branch, my emotions branch. I want this fruit dangling there. I want all of me to just overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. So how? Sow your seed. Sow your seed. Paul is using, isn't he, through this passage, an agricultural image to show us how it works. How does fruit ever hang from a tree? How does it get there? It doesn't sprout out of thin air, does it? It doesn't come from nothing. It comes from sowing seeds. Look at chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. If you want the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, you need to sow to the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. If you want the fruit of the flesh, sow to the flesh. It's an amazing thing to realize, friends, all who live on this earth are gardeners. I don't know what your garden's like at home. Some of us are better at it than others, aren't we? Some of us are embarrassed to let people into our garden and we think, that's not really me. I don't have green fingers. No, the Bible says, all who live on earth are gardeners. Every man, woman, boy, girl. Maybe gardening's your worst nightmare. But you are a gardener. You are always sowing. You've sowed seeds this morning already before you got here. You will sow them again before the day is over. You will sow them tomorrow. It is an unavoidable fact of life that all day long you are dropping little seeds into the world. You're dropping little seeds into your, your own heart and life. What you are dropping is going to grow into something. Paul is getting us here to look long and hard at the absolute principle that what you sow, you reap. It's an absolute principle of farming, isn't it? You do not drop carrot seeds in the ground and two years later pick apples from a tree. It's impossible. You, you, you can't do it. What you sow, you reap. Paul is saying, friends, that if you want the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you cannot get it. It will not appear if you sow to the flesh. It just won't happen. 
Choose your fruit. What kind of person do I want to be this year, next year, for the rest of my life? I want to be spirit-filled, Christ-like, fruit-producing. Paul says then, sow to it. Sow to it. Did you know you can sow to the flesh? See, just look back at that list, the poisonous works. Go back to verse 19. I want us just to take the layers off this. Verse 19 and 20, it's not just one long list without distinctions. No, there, there are categories there in verse 19. There are three words in verse 19 to do with the works of the flesh in the, all in the area of our sexual relationships. First list, first word, sexual immorality. It's the word pornea, which in the Bible means sexual intercourse between unmarried people. The the next word, impurity. Unnatural sexual practices. Sensuality. Unrestrained sexual practices. See, when you end up doing those things, when you end up doing those works, it, it doesn't happen overnight. They didn't just spring out of thin air. No, those things happen because people have sown to them. People end up doing those things because of tiny decisions years ago, little acts, small advances in the wrong wrong direction that eventually, many years later, see you in bed with the wrong person. Look into verse 20. There are two words that deal with idolatry and sorcery, love of false gods and occult practices. And then after that in verse 20, there are eight words that all deal with our social relationships. And all of those things, look at them, enmity, strife, jealousy, they are all fruit. They're all the end result, the seeds that we choose to sow to the flesh. See, just think about it, fits of anger, or, or take divisions, dissensions. Divisions do not happen overnight, do they? You don't get out of bed in the morning and find yourself suddenly at war with your spouse or with a neighbor or with a, with a church family. No, it's little, tiny steps along the road. It, it is cultivated behavior. Choices that we made years ago lead, lead us to these moments of fits of anger to dissensions and divisions. Maybe you have a sore spot that you you just keep returning to. And every time you return to it, you're just dropping another seed in the ground. Maybe it's just another text that you're going to send. Text messages are seeds. Emails are seeds. Or a text that we refuse to send. Another wrongdoing lodged against us and instead of forgiving it we lodge it deep inside and we we know where to find it when we need to we refuse to weed it and to to kill it and we just instead water it we water it slowly over time bit by bit these works of the flesh friends can be tiny kernels that are are nourished into poisonous fruit that can maim and wound and destroy I want to ask you this morning, what are you sowing? What are you sowing? If you have somebody close to you in your life, don't just take your own mental answer. Ask them, what can you see me sowing? What would the people around you say that you're investing in? 
What would others who live near to you say? Those who know you, what would they say your long-term goals are because of the decisions you're making today? Friends, did you know you can sow to the Spirit? You see all of His fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Beautiful, beautiful fruit. They all come in seed form. You want to get them in your life, you need to plant them. And you plant them in tiny form. You, You plant them in seed form. You plant them in real decisions, in actual choices made in real time where you choose to be like the Lord Jesus Christ instead of being like yourself. And you plant and you invest and you you put into fertile soil a loving action. You send a patient text. You write a gentle email. You give a self-controlled response. When you do that, Paul says, you are sowing to the Spirit. You're growing His fruit. And we're, going, we're going to come to some of them. But I want to just take a couple of them this morning. Look, look at gentleness. Verse 23, gentleness. Do you want to be like the Lord Jesus? Paul says, be gentle. Be gentle. I think many men resist gentleness because we tend to associate it with being effeminate. But look, friends, gentleness is not weakness. It's nothing to do with gender types. Look how it works in chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him how? In a spirit of gentleness. Have you ever had to confront somebody caught in sin? Have you ever had to speak to somebody like that? Some of you have, I know. You cannot do it if you're weak. No, you can only do it if you're gentle. Look at that word in verse 1. You who are spiritual should restore the person. Not, not punish them, not break them, restore them. That, that's the craftsman's word, isn't it? The old painting that's been lying in a corner, the thing that's broken. It gets placed now on the workman's bench and in skillful, loving hands, it gets lovingly returned to its former glory. You see how all of it works? The the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22, they're not just abstract ideals. There is no use going home today and saying, oh, I would love gentleness in my life. And locking yourself in your room and just closing your eyes and trying to work up gentleness. It's not going to appear like magic in a puff of smoke. No, Paul says, if you you want gentleness, find the sinning brother or sister and into their life sow the seeds of gentleness that will restore them and not break them. Sow a seed of gentleness and you will reap the fruit of gentleness. You want to be gentle? Brothers and sisters, find the person in your life that naturally deserves roughness. Find the person that you want naturally to be tough with. Enter the kind of relationships that left to your own devices and in your own fleshly way, you would sow harshness if you could and instead sow gentleness. 
All of these fruit worked out in our lives come from the coal face, don't they? They come from, well, farming is like that. They come from spade in the ground, sweat, work. They come from real relationships. You need to sow it in real places with actual people. You need to actually plant it. And then the fruit will grow. Fruit in them, fruit in you, the Spirit's fruit. Jonathan Edwards said this, A lamb-like, dove-like spirit and temper is the true and distinguishing disposition of the heart of Christians. I don't know about you, but one of the most striking things for me, the summer sermons we've had on Philippians has been the gentleness of Paul's love for these believers. The, the, The gentleness of the way the sermons were given to us. Paul says in Philippians, let your gentleness be evident to all. What's the hard bit about that phrase? It's the little word, all, isn't it? (laughs) Plenty of people I love to be gentle with. Plenty of people I do not want to be gentle with at all. But gentle to all? Privately, publicly, with you, with her, with him? Galatians says it will not grow unless you sow it. What do you need to sow this morning? I suspect you know, don't you? Probably looking at the fruit of the Spirit, all of them, I guess. Paul wants you to leave this morning, friends, with some seeds in your pocket. I want you to leave with seeds in your pocket. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Goodness. Oh, Paul, goodness. I would love goodness to be evident and obvious in my life. How do you get it? Well, sow it. Verse 9, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The amazing thing, isn't it? To want the fruit of the Spirit in goodness in our lives and yet to grow weary of doing good. I've done that. I've done my time. Served there. I didn't get anything out of that. We're weary. And we stop doing good and we wonder where the goodness fruit is in our life. No, friends, you don't get goodness fruit without the seeds of doing good. To everyone, to everyone, verse 10, do you notice that? Let us do good to everyone. To men, to women, to young, to old, gay, straight, transgender, opposite end of the political spectrum from me. People who go to a different church, who have a different skin color, do good to them. And Paul says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Friends, Trinity Church and other believers should be the recipients of your best acts of goodness. That's what the text is saying, isn't it? So I want to finish with this this morning. Choose your fruit, sow your seed. Number three. Much more briefly, I promise. Reap your harvest. Reap your harvest. You cannot get spiritual fruit from fleshly seed. You can't get one type of harvest from one type of seed. But you will get a harvest. It's another absolute principle, isn't it? There will be a harvest. It's inevitable. It's coming. Gospel people don't wonder if change is possible or if anything new can ever really happen in our lives for we know that what we sow we will reap. 
I want to encourage you this morning, friends, to leave here with this passage open in front of you in your home. I want to encourage you to deliberately, carefully, thoughtfully tend the orchard that God has given you, for you do have one. And all our orchards are different. I want to encourage you to intentionally find new behaviors to cultivate and sow and to nourish. Cultivate the orchard of your family, your home. Be a constant gardener here in this place, in this church family. Every single Sunday, get out of bed and come to church with your gardening gloves on. Come prepared to put a little stick in the, in the ground, a little stick, a hole that maybe no one else sees and just to drop a seed into it. Come to church and plant seeds. Do it week in, week out, year in and year out and watch them grow and then one day you will reap what you sow. You just will. God tells you you will. Mighty oaks grow from tiny acorns, don't they, friends? Do the right things, sow the right things long enough, well enough. One day your arms will be full of more fruit than you can ever hold. I want to just say this. I don't often say this, and I'm very conscious I don't say this often enough, I think. I want to say, looking at this passage this past week, I want to say to you what a profound joy it is to me, to Angela, to our elders, to be in a church family, to be serving you as your minister, where with all our weaknesses, and there are many, aren't there, and our blind spots are many, things we could be better at, I want to say to you what a joy it is to be in your midst where the fruit of the Spirit is so evident. So evident in more ways than I can say. I see it from you and in you all the time. We've come through so much already, haven't we? And I see and get to taste from you patience and kindness and goodness. It's more joyful to me than I can tell you to serve with four other elders from whom we all benefit from the fruit of the Spirit growing in their lives. Deacons who serve us week in, week out. Musicians who serve. The fruit is there, friends, isn't it? A staff team, goodness, gentleness. Brothers and sisters, let us not grow weary in doing good. Never get tired of doing good. So, some of you I know will have watched or listened to the memorial service for Tim Keller, uh, the influential pastor, writer, um, the man who benefited so many people. Sam Albury preached at his memorial service just a, 10 days or so ago, I think. And he said this. He opened his sermon by saying this. Since Tim Keller died, we've seen an outpouring of tributes. Yet very few of those tributes mention Tim's accomplishments which were many and consequential. Very few of those tributes mentioned his gifts, which were undeniably colossal. Instead, people have most remembered Tim's character. Not what he did, but who he was as a husband and a father, as a mentor or a pastor, and for so many of us as a friend. Sam Albury says this, it is rare in our times to see someone have so much power and yet to be so humble and focused on others. 
But Tim wasn't like this because he was unusual. Tim was like this because he followed Jesus. The very qualities we've loved in Tim are all reflections of what can be found so clearly in Christ. What Tim was imperfectly, Christ has always been, fully and completely. I want to say to our young people, I want to say to you today, you can choose now, today, what kind of older person you will become. You can make the choice today depending on what you're going to sow. You know, you know the saying, sow a thought and you reap an act. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Maybe you're older this morning and you know it's harvest time. You're reaping your sown seed. And whatever you're reaping in life, the gospel lets you, friends, however old you are, the gospel lets you keep planting. And planting and planting and planting again. It is never too late to start becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus. Never too late. One more year. But how many more seeds and how much fruit. So may it be. Amen.